0: we that I'm calling receive you know we live in a society where the world is just asking so much of us all the time everything we got just give 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 but so often God is giving to us and we're not good receivers of what God is giving us we're taking it for granted or we're just blowing it off and we're just we think we don't have any more to give but it's because we're not good receivers so in the first week we talked about Genesis chapter 12 we talked about uh, the the call and the promise that God made with Abram. Abram. Very good. So God comes to Abram and says, Hey, I know that all throughout the first 11 chapters, essentially, that, that we've, people have just been messing this up. And, and, and I've been giving, and people have been bad stewards, and that's just not been good. But he says, Here is what I'm promising. If you'll leave your comfort, if you'll leave what you know, if you'll leave your family, I will bless you. But I will bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. Then we talked about stewardship. And so what, basically, how do we handle what we've been given? That's, that's the quick definition of stewardship. So that was week one, that we receive blessing. Then the, the second week, we talked about salvation. And we talked about Jesus and, and the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, that Jesus really shouldn't have been talking to in the first place. But yet he comes to her and he, he gives her an opportunity to give. He says, hey, can you give me a drink of water? And then Jesus offers her the living water that will never run dry, that that those that drink of it will never thirst again. Jesus offered her salvation. And then we talked about what it means to be good stewards of even our own salvation, what it means to, to accept the love of God and the grace of God in our lives. This blessing, to do it well, to receive our salvation and steward it well, we have to bless others. We can't hold it to ourselves. We can't let the living water just overflow and overflow. But we need to be giving it constantly. Then last week we talked about sanctification, and if you were here, if you remember we went on this journey of of provenient grace, and then we got here, and we got the salvation, and then down here we got to sanctification. And we talked about Jesus sending out the 12 disciples in groups of two, because he was saying, yes, you believe, and and I, I, I know that you're all in, but now I'm going to give you power. You will receive power and now go and do these things that just seem crazy to the world. But, but to receive power well means to journey with God through what God is calling you to do. So then that leads us to this week. Today we're going to talk about what it means to receive calling from God. And so we're going to actually read two sections of scripture here. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 6 and we're going to be in Exodus chapter 3. Uh, because I, I wanted to show you that this doesn't just happen once in the Bible, but it happens over and over and over and over. And so we're going to look at two Old Testament uh, callings this morning. Um, I do need help this morning from my, my two faithful uh, assistants here that have said that they would help this morning. So if Riley and Evelyn will come on forward, um, I'm going to be reading a good chunk of Scripture. And so I thought it would be good if we could visualize this, if we, if we could see it. Play out, and so, um, so which which who's going to be who? Who's Moses and who's Isaiah? I'm this one. She wouldn't take. Them. You're Isaiah. Okay. What about the shoes? I thought you brought shoes. Well, we forgot the shoes. That's okay. That's okay. They're, they're still in the bag, and it would've been. That's okay. It it's okay. All right. So you're Isaiah. Yeah, you yeah. got the tongs. Okay. So you'll be on this side, Riley. If you'll, yeah, c- c- come on over here. Just, come on. You you can just well Actually, stand back there so you're in the light. Yeah. All right. Yeah, right there. That's good. And, Evelyn, if you'll just come stand up here. So, today as I, I read these two call stories, um, I told the girls just do whatever the scripture is saying. And so, we didn't practice, of course, because practice would have just ruined it. But it's it's okay to have fun in church, all right? This, I, like I said, I didn't want to sit up here and read 30 verses of two different stories, and then you go, man, he just read for a long time. So, here we go, let's look at uh, Isaiah 6 first. So this will be Riley, your side. Alright, so and hopefully this gives you faces, even though we're talking about men here, it doesn't matter. Just We're talking about two different people. In the year that King Uzziah died, now let me stop there, King Uzziah dying was a big deal to the people of the time. Much like we can all look back at 9-11 if we were alive at that point. If we were already born, I was. Just in case anyone was wondering, I see some chuckles. I was. I do remember where I was at 9-11. It may or may not have been kindergarten. But, so King Uzziah dying was a big deal. It was a memorable time. It's a way that they measured time. This story has nothing to do with King Uzziah, but they just know that everybody remembers when King Uzziah died. All right? You tracking with me there? So it was a big mile marker. All right. Here we go. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings, with two wings that covered their faces, with two that covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and threshold shook, and the temple filled with smoke. So just imagine smoke all around Riley here. Woe to me, I cried. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which had taken with tongs from the altar. That's why she has the tongs. With it he touched my mouth, and he said, See, this has touched lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said... Here I am. Raise your hand. Here I am. There you go. Here I am. Send me. He said, "Go and tell this people. Be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed." Then I said, "For how long, Lord?" And he answered. Until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitant, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid waste. But as the terebinth and oak leaves stumps when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. Now, let's look over at Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses Moses, was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, sheep, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness. There you go. Far side of the wilderness. And he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, hmm, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said, take off your sandals, take off your shoes. Okay, you don't have to. Again, we didn't practice, sandals would have been, it would have been a good day. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is the ground. There's something different about where he's standing. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land and to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. Well, thank you, ladies. Let's hear it for for our faithful assistants. I, I don't need the tongs, thanks. Yeah. So I just read a lot of scripture, but let's talk about it. Let's think through this. We have these two call stories, and they they seem very different. We have uh, seeing the Lord seated on the throne. We've got being in the wilderness, and there's a bush on fire that's not burning up. But I want to talk a couple of similarities here between the two, and then talk about what it means to be called. So, But in both of these accounts, we have conversations with God, direct conversation with God. And they both take place in holy places, on the throne, on holy ground. Both places that God has set apart and said, these are holy. Holy just meaning different. And then both of these, we see fire. We see a, coal that is, a hot flaming coal that's come out of the fire, so hot that the angel had to use tongs to touch Isaiah's lips. But on this side, we see a bush, a bush that's on fire. And I always pictured the bush to be huge. But on Wednesday night, when, when the teens and I talked about it, they all saw the bush to be, like, shorter than they are. So however you picture the bush, it's on fire. But it's not burning up. So what is that, what is, what, what's going on here? In both of these, the fire, the heat, in, this, in both stories, it did the same thing. It cleansed. Because the, 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 the hot coal for Isaiah, touching his lips, it cleansed him of his unclean lips. And you say, well, how, how does cleansing happen in a, in a burning bush? The fact that the bush did not burn up. What was needed to be left was still left. It didn't, the, the, the cleansing, the fire did not destroy it altogether. It just took away what didn't need to be there. All right, so we have cleansing happening in both of these. In both accounts, we have confusions and questions from those that are are talking to God. What's Isaiah's question? Who am I? Who am I to spread this? Who am I to be your leader? I'm unclean. And what's Moses' response? Moses' question is, who are you? Who is it that's telling me to do all this? Because, yeah, I I think Moses was concerned that I gotta be a credible source. I have to, I can't just go in and say I just thought of this in my sleep. But I have to go in and I have to be able to tell them who is it? In both accounts, God responds in not a just awful, horrible, terrible, rude way, but God responds graciously to both of them and explains what's going on. Maybe not in its fullness, but God gives them enough. God gives them what they need to fulfill. And then both accounts end with God basically saying, now go get to work. Go get busy. I'm telling you what to do. Now you got to go do it. We can't just sit around and talk about it and plan and plan and plan and think and pray and think and pray. we got to get busy about work that God has cleansed us already to do. So what does this tell us about calling? First of all, you've probably heard this before, maybe. But God does not call the equipped. God equips the called. Seems like a a pretty straightforward thing. But both of these guys really seemed to struggle with this. They both felt very unworthy of what God was calling them to do. Because think about it. We're so early on in the accounts that we have. Prior to both of these guys, what story had they heard? They had heard this story about God calling a man named Noah to build an ark. God called this man Noah to build a really big boat because the, the flood was coming. And what does Scripture say? What does it tell us about Noah? It says that Noah was righteous in the sight of God. Both of these men are saying, I am not righteous I am not Noah, I have fallen short." Both of these guys, unclean lips, probably saying things he shouldn't be saying, stirring up stuff he shouldn't be stirring up, and then you got Moses. Let us not forget, if you've never heard the story of Moses, Moses is a murderer. At this point in his story, he's already killed somebody, he's already said, well, I'm really messed up, God. I don't know why you're calling me to do this. But God knew. It's not that Moses had just like gotten in a fist fight, Moses had killed. And I talked not too long about none of us are really worthy of this calling to be about the work of God. So we need to have a sense of humility as, as we're doing it. We get guided to it by grace. What we just read this morning are two invitations of God's grace saying, come alongside me and I'm going to use you. The work of God is not another chore on the list, but it is a gift and it's a blessing that we get to be a part of. I need to say this too, that that preaching is a really good calling. It is. And for some of you, maybe your, your whole lives, maybe the time you've spent in church, you heard about people getting called to ministry, you heard about people receiving a call to preach, and you knew that wasn't you, and so you said, well, maybe I'm just not called. Well, we need to just like rip that up and tear it apart and throw it away this morning. Because it's not that, that the only call you can receive is to ministry, but that we're all called to ministry in our own situations and maybe God is stirring in your heart to become a pastor or stirring in your heart to become a missionary we still need people to say yes to the call of God to come into ministry but we also need people saying yes to go into the office and people saying yes to go onto the construction site and people saying yes to work from home and be gracious over the phone with those that they talk to because remember that, that throughout the New Testament when we look at Jesus calling people what are Jesus' words? follow me to, To follow is to be called. Our calling, as we talked about in January, our calling is directly related to our spiritual gifts. Each one of us has been gifted by God with certain things and abilities and talents and things that we're good at just naturally thanks to God. To work at it differently because you want the best You want the best for where God has placed you. Some of us, we we have these spiritual gifts and we think, oh, how are we supposed to use those? Well, I believe that God is calling you to use them. But sometimes I think our box is just a little too small and we have to ask God to begin to call us out of that and show us how do I use these things. For example, before we moved here, uh, I I sold cars for about eight months. And um, if you know me very well, and you, if you've ever experienced a used car person, you're probably wondering what I don't really have those attributes that get stereotyped around used car sales people Well, I was working in the local church, and I mean I had to make money somehow and, and so for some reason, I went in and applied to sell cars at this dealership that we had bought a car for and uh, Kind of, they kind of offered me the job on the spot, and I accepted, and I was just like, all right, great, you know, going to sell some cars. Went through my training and all that, and, and it, it wasn't but my first week, probably, out of training. And my boss told me, he said, now, Ryan, you're nice and all, <laughs> but you're probably going to have to do things a little bit different to be successful, he never asked me to lie, never asked me to do anything like that, but he was just saying, you know, hey, kind of watch these guys and 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 do what they're doing. Well, about a week later, as somebody else that I had sold a car to walks out of the dealership, my boss, as soon as the door shut, he just looked at me and he said, I'll shut up. You just keep doing what you're doing. We are called to go and to be. No matter where you are at, you can live into that calling. When I was selling cars, I had the the widest round, like, I can't even explain how many strange conversations I had with people on test drives. I can't tell you how many people just in the car uh, asked what I do, and I mentioned the church, and then we just start talking about faith. Or how many people would, would I'd tell them what was going, like they'd ask about me and so I'd tell them a little bit and then they would just stop and pray for me on a test drive because they, they were also pursuing what God was calling them to do. That was not a ministry of the local church. <laughs> that was just kind of being open and saying, God, we got to make money somehow. How, how do you think this could happen? And, and going and just saying, all right, if it's selling, call step into this. And in that process, I got to spend 50-plus hours a week with a group of guys that most of them didn't know Jesus. <laughs> I don't get that opportunity in the local church. <laughs> and so, and you know, I wish I had some grand story of leading somebody to Jesus in the break room. I don't have that story. But what I do have is when tragedy would happen in their lives and they would come to me and ask for prayer, I would pray for them. And they, they always knew that I was a listening ear. But it, it, it was what God was calling me to do. And after saying yes to that and living into it for eight months, then we received a call about this church. It's just about being faithful and in, in, in doing what God is calling you to. God knew who Moses was and all about him. This is why God knew that Moses was the right guy for the job. God knows that you are the right person for what God is calling you to. Doing what you're called to do will be the most fulfilling work that you will ever do. This does not mean that to do what God is calling you to do, you have to quit your job tomorrow. In fact, please do not quit your job tomorrow. We need you at your job. We need you doing ministry there. But, sometimes our calling is to stay exactly where we are, to continue in where we're at and keep working, and to listen. To listen, sometimes with our eyes instead of our ears, and sometimes to to speak with our ears instead of our eyes, instead of our mouths. You see, my my grandmother, my, my grandmother, She loves many things in life. She loves her kids, her daughters. She loves her grandkids. She loves her son-in-laws. She loves the local church. She loves Jesus. And my grandmother loves Snyder's pretzel sticks. Snyder's pretzels in the stick form, not the big rods, the sticks. And she has to have them with a Diet Coke. And if it's after 6 p.m., It's going to be a caffeine-free Diet Coke. Even last week when my dad was having surgery and making and Brittany and I were there, we walk in and my grandmother's already there and what does she have in the waiting room? She's got her bag of pretzels and she's got her Diet Coke. Because she knew, hey, this surgery days, you know how it goes. It's a lot of sitting and waiting and sitting and waiting and taking turns in the room. and So she came prepared. She brought her pretzels. I, too, am fond of pretzels. I can't say that it's genetic, but... I enjoy a good pretzel. Um, I don't care if it's the Kroger brand. I don't care if it's in stick form. They all taste the same. But she would hate to hear me say that. Um, but they all taste the same. But you know why pretzels, especially I think the sticks, are a really good snack? It's because when you're hungry, you can eat a lot of them. You can munch on them and munch on them. And if you, you know bite them into little pieces, they can last you a while. I think the, the last time I looked on the back of a bag of Kroger pretzels, I think a serving was like 42 pretzels. You know, when you eat cookies, normally the back is like serving half a cookie. <laughs> but with pretzels, you eat 42 pretzels. That's good. But you know what pretzels do? They're kind of like bread. They get in you and they just kind of hold, the, they, they fill you up for a short amount of time. They just kind of sit. And, and so if you just kind of need to be held over to the next meal, you can have some pretzels maybe 42 pretzels, and you can wait and you're good until the next meal. Hopefully, maybe. Well, this is what happens when we're not living into the thing that God has called us to do. Listen to me. We go around and we're looking for a bag of pretzels that will just get us by until we can get to the next church service or the next revival service or, or even the next devotional that will just kind of begin to partially, satisfy me, shortly. But when you do, and you're living, and you're thriving in what God is calling you to do specifically, it will fulfill you. I think the world is is in a lot of the shape that it's in today because people are searching for that thing that will fulfill them. And they might just not know the one that's calling them to it. Now, I'm not saying that if you listen to the call of God and you live into what it is, that it is going to be easy, because it is not. Anytime somebody asks me how, the work, how it is working in the church, I just say it's the most fulfilling work I've ever done in my life. Because that's true. I don't tell them, oh, it's easy. It's just, you know, it's easy as could be. And I don't tell them, oh, it's just so hard and difficult. I just don't know how I make it. Through. It's fulfilling. And, and when, we, when we are doing what God has called us to do and we steward it well, we will be fulfilled. So now, what does it mean to steward our call? We've talked about stewardship each and every week. Stewarding our call looks like living the life of continual sanctification that will always point us to our call. Moses and Isaiah both had moments when they didn't steward their calls well. If you've not heard the rest of the story, Moses doesn't even make it to the promised land that God was calling him to guide them to. You know why? Because he lost track of his call and he got a little God complex and he started to take credit. I preached on that maybe a year ago now, so you don't remember it. But he got this God complex and then he kind of started taking credit for what was going on. And God said, you're not going to see the promised land. We have to daily remind ourselves and ask God to remind us what it is that we are called to be as an individual and as a church. I heard this this week. It is not my my words. But a community without a mission will create their own problems. A community without a mission will create its own problems. And I say that because calling is what takes us from being a community to being a community on mission. When we, as a church, aren't living into and embracing what God is calling us to do corporately, then we're just going to bicker and fight with one another about how we do this and how we do that and what this looks like and what that looks like and what I prefer over what you prefer. But if we're truly on mission and embracing what God is calling us to do, We won't care about those things. We'll just say, Lord, whatever they need to look like to fulfill this mission, let's do it. And we begin to seek that together. Then we won't have any more, well, I can't believe they think it should be this way. And I can't believe they think it should be that way. Or I just could not work with that. Or I just couldn't do that. It's not about us. But it's about the mission that God is calling us to as a corporate people. When the call of God is what drives us, we will not make decisions around our preferences, but rather around how we can best accomplish the work that God is calling us to. So today, uh, we're going to end in, in a little different way. I've got four questions that, uh, that are up there. I want you to spend a moment and reflect on these four questions. Pastor Cassie, maybe if you'd come and play something for us. Is, I want to give you time to reflect prayerfully about these four questions. What excuses do I have for God today when it comes to following God's call in my life? Are you a man of unclean lips? Are you just so unworthy that it's a good excuse? Or or are you not so sure that you know the God that's calling you and you have more questions? But what excuses, what what are you telling yourself so that you can go to sleep at night not embracing the call that God has given you? What sacrifices do I need to make in response to what God is calling me to? Much like the story of Abram, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, God called him to sacrifice He said, leave your home, leave your family, leave your comfort zone, and I will bless you. Number three, how have I been a poor steward of the call of God in my life? And I'm not asking these questions at you. I'm answering these questions with you. (laughs) How have I been a poor steward of the call of God in my life? And lastly, this is mainly for those that, that claim that this is your local church and the body that you belong to. How have I helped or hindered this church from living into God's call for our church? So I want us to just take a few moments. Because see, if I tell you to go home and think about those, what you'd do is you'd write them down, then you'd leave them in the cup holder on your way home. Then once you got your to-go cup from the restaurant that you stop at, you would set your to-go cup in the cup holder, and then the questions would get wet, and then you wouldn't remember, and you'd get home, and you wouldn't think about it. So before you even walk out the doors today, we're going to take a moment and reflect on these things. What excuses, what sacrifices... How have I been a poor steward of what God has called me to do? If you need to come and pray at the altars, do so. If you need to take out a notepad and jot some things down, do that. But we're going to take a few minutes here and and, and just reflect on what it means to be a called people.